Welcome everybody to another episode of Run Past the Brain Cell. I'm Adam Skirko, as always, joined by my co-host Jake Miller. And first off, I'm going to address it. Uh, yes, I am sick. I and we were recording this on a Saturday because I wanted to sleep. And Jake also was exhausted. But regardless, Jake, how are we doing? Doing pretty good, man. I'm not sick unlike you, but I'm doing fairly well. Freaking hibernated last night. Went to bed a little earlier than usual and probably slept for a good 12 hours almost. Woke up, had a damn good breakfast, and now I'm just kind of sitting here looking over some football and watching the game in the background. Exactly, Jake. We actually are recording with a Saturday game happening. The Vikings and Bengals just started OT tied up 24 all. And we will be giving some highlights of the game or I guess rather updates as we record. But Jake, we're going to start things off with our Eyes on 5 recap from the last week where I went 5-0, and you went 3-2. and Still really good. But this was, I think, the per first perfect week between you and I. I know last week you went four and one, and I went one and four, so thank goodness for that. I needed that perfect week. But we're going to start things off, Jake, with your first game, which was the Bengals taking on the Colts and Cincinnati keeping their playoff hopes alive in this game, winning 34-14 over a pretty frisky Colts team. Jake, what were your thoughts about that game? You know, I didn't think Jake Browning could do it two weeks in a row. And it's, with the current game going on, looks like he's doing it three weeks in a fucking row. Honestly, it is looking like you have a bona fide high tier backup in Jake Browning if Burrow does go out. Because let's be honest, because his O-line gets him killed, eh, he's going to miss a game or two almost every season because of that whether it's because of concussion, because of a finger, or a leg injury. Because we saw what happened earlier in the season when he had that knee injury. It limited his moment, his movement and his throw. So, throughout the entirety of the Bengals' offense. But now, you have a Bengals team that is and 7-6, playing for their playoff spot right now. Same with the Minnesota Vikings as well. But, back to the Colts and Bengals game. Browning played really good, 75% accuracy, 275, two touchdowns and a pick. Joe Mixon is bringing it on late in the year with the touchdowns, and he even had three catches for 46 yards, so he's showing his dual threat right there. The big thing was Trey Hendrickson getting two sacks. He's now, I think, in the top five for sacks this year, which if we're talking about an underrated pass rusher, he doesn't get talked about a lot even though he's literally in the top 10 year after year for sacks. But I have someone that I think is even more underrated than him, and that is Michael Pittman. He, didn't get, he did not get a touchdown, but he got eight catches for 95 yards, and Minshew has connected with him a lot. And because of that, it is doing so many good things for this offense because we discussed earlier – Minshew is a seed and throw it quarterback. He's going to look at his first read and he's going to throw it. And he's a gunslinger. He's going to give Pittman chances. Other than that, the Colts just really couldn't get it going. Their run game got stifled. They really missed Jonathan Taylor for three weeks now, I think. And 
it, looking on the Bengals side, they had a good passing attack. They had a good rushing attack. Not great on the average per rush attempt, but you really don't need it when you can at least get a first down with three runs. And the defense played really good. The linebackers did amazing with Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt getting 10 tackles each. What did you think about it, Adam? Well, I picked the Bengals mainly because I trusted that Jake Browning could capture what he did the previous week and be able to turn it into a quality game against this Colts defense. And that's exactly what he did. Now, I do think that moving forward, they definitely want to try and get more of this run game going. They haven't this week against the Vikings, which the Vikings now have the ball. Nick Mullins just connected to your guy, TJ Hawkinson, for a first down. But in this Colts game, they had 32 total rushes for 111 yards, and they only had 25 passes. That's what they're wanting to have, though, is more of a run game rather than more of a throw it all over the yard. Not to mention, Jake, Chase Brown was their leading receiver, and they, he's a running back. Three catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. And he almost, he was second, tied for second with two other people in targets. Browning spreads the ball around a ton. That is definitely something that we saw in Washington as well. He wasn't afraid to spread it around to, I believe at that time, he had John Ross and Dante Pettis, who also, who both became NFL receivers. So he knew how to spread the ball around. And then this defense kept him basically with a lead consistently. Three sacks, six passes defensed, four quarterback hits as well. And not to mention the O-line held up fantastic, Jake. This Colts defense goose-egged in the sack total, which was massive because if you keep them from getting a sack, there's not much they could do. That secondary is not strong enough to hold up on their own. Now, Zaire Franklin, Jake, he's a tackling machine, 14 total tackles, six of them solo. But I really think, Jake, what it came down to was the fact that this Indianapolis Colts defense, even though they have decent talent, is way too reliant on Michael Pittman. He had 11 targets. The next closest was eight, and that was Zach Moss, who's not really known for his receiving ability. And he wasn't able to get much on the ground either. 13 carries for only 28 yards. They only had 46 yards rushing as a team. And obviously, Jake, turnovers are a big thing with this now. Granted, Browning did throw a pick six to Ronnie Harrison, but B.J. Hill with a pick, and that pick mattered because of the timing. And overall, Jake, I think that the Colts are in very big danger of missing the playoffs just because of the fact that you have a lot of teams nipping at their heels. Houston's got a chance. Now, Indianapolis really lucked out. Hell, Jacksonville lucked out because both Indy and uh, Houston lost this past week. We'll see if that can happen this week for them. But I think that overall, Jake, the Bengals are still alive and well, and they still have a chance. Now, we'll see what happens with this game because this game could absolutely change it. But overall, Jake, I think that the Colts definitely have a chance to still make the playoffs. And if they do, that would be a miracle because Shane Steichen, I think that'll get Shane Steichen coach of the year potential votes i don't know if he'll win it but this is just wild you have gardner Minshew, 
who I like Gardner Minshew, Wazoo quarterback. He's fun, but he's a gunslinger, like you said. And not to mention, Jake, Gardner Minshew looks like he looks like he came out of a trailer park just slinging a football. And wait, don't get me wrong, I love Gardner Minshew, but he's not your starter. And I think overall, what we're going to see is maybe he gets a, another shot as a starter somewhere, but he's shown that he's going to be a phenomenal backup for the rest of his career, spot starter really well if you have the right coach. But I think overall, Jake, they're going to look for, the Indianapolis Colts are going to look for a receiver next year because you need someone outside of Michael Pittman getting targets. But Jake, we're going to move on to my first game and uh, I, I don't want to, but 49ers Seahawks. The 49ers beat my Seahawks 28 to 16, basically sealing up the NFC West and sweeping the Seahawks in the season series. Overall, Jake, this is kind of what happens when you have an injured quarterback. And, oh, hold up. Before live update, Jake, it looks like the Bengals might have stopped a tush push on fourth and inches, and they might be getting the ball back. We'll have to wait and see as they unpile it, but it looks like Mullins was short. But going back to the Seahawks-Niners game, Jake, we saw the good and the bad of Drew Locke. 22-31 for 269. He had two touchdowns, but he also had two picks. And this run game was absolutely nothing. 20 total carries for 70 yards. Zach Charbonnet led the team in carries, but with nine. And he led the team with yards, but with 44. That's not good. Now, the reason why I say we saw the both good and bad of Drew Locke is those two touchdowns were awesome. You absolutely love to see them. One to DK on a beautiful ball, and then one to Colby Parkinson, which was also a beautiful ball. But he also had two picks. He threw a really ugly one to Fred Warner, and one to Jair Brown that was also really ugly. Now, Julian Love did get Purdy on one as well, but Jake, this defense... They were on the field way, 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 way too long. And I think that's what really comes down to it. Now, you think about it, Jake. They were even on time of possession, but most of Seattle's touchdowns were on big plays, which meant the defense was right back on the field. Now, they were even on drives, but Jake, the Niners averaged almost 10 yards a play. Seattle averaged six. This just showed the difference between these two teams. Both teams had two turnovers. And yet, it did not matter. I, I look at this Seahawks team, Jake. They need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. I love Geno, but he's not your future. Drew Locke, I don't know what Pete Carroll was smoking thinking that he is a future starter. He's not. Tyler Lockett is still really, really good. DK got ejected, and I love DK, but he's a little out of control. I think, Jake, I'm not ruling this out. We could see DK on the move 
this offseason for a first rounder. And oh, I think easy. I think imagine the Chiefs get DK Metcalf. I'm not gonna say that it'll happen, but if you ask me to predict a team that would be going after him, Kansas City with DK, even at his combine, his combine interview. Patrick Mahomes tweeted at him about his 40 time, and he said, that would be awesome if I could play with Patrick Mahomes. That would be an awesome pairing. I would just hate it as a Seahawks fan, but even though I like Patrick Mahomes, that'd be pretty cool. Now, also, Jake, on defense, I like Clint Hurt, their DC, but there are way too many wide open receivers. George Kittle... On that touchdown, no one was around him. Oh, oh, big play here, Jake. Tyler Boyd down to the 13 on a pass that I don't even know if they thought. I don't know how Browning connected that. But with this game, Jake, overall, I think San Francisco is the best team in the NFL. I think I said that a few weeks ago. They are just establishing that there is not a team, I think, in the NFC that can beat them. And I think the only team that could even remotely stack up with them is the Ravens. What were your thoughts on this game? You know, the game was good on at least one side of the ball, being the Niners. Seattle kind of shown, like you said, Lockett is still good. And... You brought up DK getting ejected, and I actually saw a clip where apparently Shanahan actually said, "Get eleven mad or get Metcalf mad; he'll handle the rest." And when he body when he WWE pretty much body slammed Fred Warner, uh, pretty much kind of went from there, and Warner did his job and got him ejected. So I do want to say lost one, one thing. Of your... Sorry. Hmm. That was a pretty damn good-looking German suplex that Metcalf tried. Too bad Fred Warner oh, couldn't was. sell it for him. <laughs> right. But DK is a hothead. We, I think we can both agree with that. Oh, absolutely. He's a hell of a player. But the problem is he needs to get his shit under control if he wants to, you know, be a focal point for the Seattle Seahawks going forward. Be that next great receiver. Be in the Largent, Baldwin, Lockett type of environment. Galloway. Because, yeah, even Galloway. The way it's going, I don't know. Because, yeah, he's fantastic. But he's really only getting utilized on big plays. And you need more out of him if you're going to either give him a huge contract or... And somebody's going to probably want to trade for him because, like you said, Chiefs, I could see them trading a late first or a, maybe even an early second, depending on how he, if he continues to act up throughout the year. But the Niners did what they had to do. Again, Seattle can stop the fucking run game. Surprise, surprise, because Christian McCaffrey went up for 145 and only 16 attempts. You, caught, you got him in the pass game. I'll give you that. But you gave up two 100-yard games, one to Debo, one to Ayuk, and if Kittle got one more catch, he probably would have been over 100. And it was just like, what the 
fuck is going on here? I think that you could see them look at a quarterback in the first round for Seattle and see what happens. I don't know, man. It's kind of one of those things where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because Geno's obviously regressed. I think we can both agree to that from comparing to last year. And Locke is not, he's a backup. He's not that starter. Like you said, we don't know what Carol was smoking. He probably got some good shit from somewhere in Seattle knowing him. Probably. Moving on to my second game, I had a game that I said could be a trap game, but I still picked the Ravens to win. The Rams took the Ravens down to the pads, and if it wasn't for a amazing punt return touchdown, uh, this game might have been lost by the Ravens because the Rams fought and their young core because they are one of the youngest cores in the league. If you exclude like Stafford Cup and Donald, they're probably up there with the freaking uh, Packers for youngest. But Stafford's continuing to play really good. Accuracy, okay, wasn't the greatest, but almost 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. Kyron Williams went off against an amazing run defense. 25 for 114. Cooper Cup finally had a great game. Of course, if we got fucking bench him. He went for 8, 115, and a touchdown. Puka still did really good. He's now over 1,100 yards. And he's top five. And yes, he is. You see, you saw that freaking Aaron Donald was getting after Mahomes. Was, not Mahomes. Wrong guy. Was getting after Jackson heavily. But... If you watch this game, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Donald was getting pissed off at Lamar Jackson because there was two or three times I saw Aaron Donald just burst through the line and getting about to get a big sack on Jackson. Jackson's like, nope, fuck you. I'm Michael Vick 2.0 and just got out of it. And it was just like, holy shit. You have athletic freak is athletic freak and the quarterback actually won this time. Can you name any other quarterback that could do that in the league? Because I don't even think Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts could do what Jackson did to Donald and frustrated the fuck out of him on those two or three sack potential sacks. I think the only person would have probably been Big Ben just because he's he was the size of Aaron Donald. Yeah, that. But he, but Ben still would have gone down. But he probably would have got a pass off or something like that in the meantime. But Jackson just evaded him. Jackson is showing his case for MVP, like what we talked about last week when he was both in our top fives. Accuracy, again, not there. But 316 yards on three touchdowns, the one pick, it's going to happen against this young, feisty Rams secondary. And he also had 11 carries for 70 yards. OBJ had that really good touchdown. Zay Flowers even got a touchdown. And Isaiah likely finally stepped up and proved, hey, I can be a backup or I can be a starter. For five for 83 and a touchdown. And other than that, it's kind of like, damn, these guys are playing good. They're playing hard. And I like what I'm seeing. Another thing that not too many people are talking about, Justin Matabuike now has 11 sacks on the season. He has came out of nowhere this year. Overall, though, this Rams team, they're looking good this year. 
we both thought they would be basement dwellers, but six and seven, and you took one of the top three teams in the NFL to the mat. Yeah, you'll take that. And shit, who knows what's going to happen for 2024 and 2025. The future is bright for the Rams and the Ravens. What did you think? It's absolutely bright. And Jake, you mentioned Justin Matabike. He had five quarterback hits on Stafford. The entire team had a total of 10. He had half of them. He was harassing Matthew Stafford. But Jake, I want to bring this up mainly. So first off, the reason why I brought up Puka Nakua being top five in receiving is Jake and I made, or I made a little wager with Jake where if Puka Nakua finished in the top five of receiving, this was after week one, if he finished in the top five of receiving, I would buy a Puka Nakua jersey because I just thought that there was no way that after the game he had week one against my Seahawks, he would be this good. I'm absolutely fine with being wrong because Puka Nakua has become one of my favorite players to watch. His route running is crisp. He's a willing blocker. And while he hasn't gotten a ton of touchdowns, I think that's mainly just due to the fact that he's in an offense with Cooper Cup, who is going to target hog a lot. Now, Demarcus Robinson had 10 targets. Cooper had 10, but Puka had nine. So he's at least still in the pecking order. But 10 targets for Demarcus Robinson, come on. He's not that good. But like you said, Jake, it is really important to note that the Rams, they are still in the playoff mix, especially because they swept the Seahawks in their division series. So they still have a outside chance of making the playoffs. I think they actually might. Now, I think you and I talked about it week one or in our predictions We talked about how the Rams would potentially be Caleb Williams hunters, but it's not the case. This defense, this young defense, where it's basically Aaron Donald and a bunch of kids, they've stepped up very, very well. I mean, Ernest Jones is a veteran still. We remember him from the Super Bowl. That was his breakout game. But, I mean, even still, you have a lot of young players But Akella Witherspoon's a vet, Jordan Fuller's a vet, John Johnson's a vet. You have this weird blend of old blood and new blood. And what I think we've seen with Sean McVay, he has to get coach of the year consideration because I don't think anyone thought this team was going to be like a six win team. I think their over under was five and a half. And I mean, hey, they're six and seven. They've already passed that. But on the Ravens' side, Lamar Jackson is definitely making a case for MVP, especially since, again, 300-yard game, three touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but, I mean, even still, Andy was also their leading rusher, Jake. He had 11 carries to the rest of the running backs, 15. He is basically their offense. Now, Odell Beckham's, we, I think you and I both kind of laughed at the fact that he got $17 million dollars which was just wild for a one-year deal. But he's performed really, really well. Four catches for 97 and a touchdown in this game. And he's also shown that he can be a sort of locker room leader and a mentor to the receivers because Zay Flowers is still continuing his escalation in this pecking order. Both Odell and Zay Flowers had 10 targets, which shows us that Odell is still going to get his targets based off reputation and also because of the fact that outside of injuries, he's still really, really good. 
But he's also showing that, hey, Zay Flowers, Jake, he might be the best rookie in this class. Now, JSN on my Seahawks, he's stepping up. You have Jordan Addison, who looked fantastic for the Vikings, which speaking of that game, Jake, it did go to final. The Bengals kick a field goal to win it 27-24. They're keeping their playoff hopes alive, even with the fact that I think they have two division games still to play. That's massive. But Jake, overall, I think this Ravens defense is really going to be what keeps them in every single game. Now, Kyle Hamilton being hurt, we hope that he plays this week and it's not a serious injury because he has really blossomed this year. Last year, his rookie year, it really came down to trying to figure out what he was. But what we've seen, Jake, is he is a Swiss Army knife. He's been absolutely fantastic for this defense. And while Geno Stone has cooled off on the interceptions, he's still being a very good corner, which they've needed because Marlon Humphrey, Jake, we, we both love Marlon Humphrey, but he's kind of been toast this year. He has not been the player that we thought he'd be. But real quick, Jake, before we move on, I want to go into the team stats. Total plays were even. Yardage was only a 39-yard difference. Yards per play were pretty damn close. And penalties, the Ravens had more. Overall, Jake, the one thing that it came down to was a punt return touchdown by Tylen Wallace, who was the backup returner. And you could argue, Jake, there was a blatant block in the back that didn't get called in that play really early on. I'm not saying it would have changed things in OT, but it wouldn't have ended the game like that. And the Ravens had the ball less than the Rams, 34 minutes to 27. All I'm going to say, I think if the Rams get into the playoffs, they can make some noise and maybe spoil an Eagles season. Hell, I think if the Cowboys and Rams played again, I don't think it's a blowout like other people would think, even in Dallas. But Jake, moving on to my okay. second game, uh, Bills Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills winning against KC in Arrowhead 20 to 17. All right, Jake, we got to talk about it. Patrick Mahomes, I am starting with this. Patrick Mahomes, Jake, I've never seen a meltdown like that from a quarterback when he was so obviously wrong. And the reason why I'm starting off with mm -hmm. this is because of the fact that it overshadowed the game. You have a play where Travis Kelsey catches a ball, looks like he's going to get tackled, throws it back to Kadarius Tony, who walks in for a touchdown, but he was offsides. Now, Mahomes was screaming at the ref, but all I'm going to say is you guys did benefit from a ticky-tack holding call against the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. So I don't think you have much to argue about. And not to mention, Jake, he was blatantly offsides. If you can see the football directly to your right and you're in line with it, wouldn't that tell you that you're offsides? And not to mention, this has been mentioned by a few people, 
But Tony gave up on the play because he beat his man and he pouted because he didn't get the ball. Guess what, numbnuts? You're not going to get the ball if Travis Kelsey's open because Travis Kelsey is the number one, not you. And overall, Jake, I think this just underscores what we see with KC. Their receivers might cost them a chance at a repeat Super Bowl because they're young, they're inexperienced, and they're immature. You have players that just don't make smart football plays. They just don't. Kadarius Tony, this is not the first time he's had this issue. And why do you think that after 22 games, the Giants moved off from him? If he's a number one receiver, you're not moving off him for a third round pick. Now on the Buffalo side, Jake, I picked Buffalo in this game because I liked what we saw with this Joe Brady offense with Josh Allen because the previous weeks they'd scored 32 points and 34 points. They ended up scoring only 20, but they were up 14 nothing. And Josh Allen, 23 of 42, 233, a touchdown and a pick. You're going to get picks with Josh Allen. It's just what it is. But Jake, they ran the ball extremely well. And hello, James Cook. It appears you're actually still alive. 10 carries for 58 yards, led the team in rushes and rushing yards. And... Five catches for 83 yards and a touchdown, Jake. He had five targets, which was third on the team behind Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid. I would look for that to continue because if he actually continues to be their third option in the passing game, that opens up a lot more for this team because we've seen that he is a dynamic player. We like James Cook. We like him a lot, but he has this issue where he just disappears, mainly because Josh Allen is, you know, a physical freak who decides to run the ball in himself. He had 10 carries for 32 yards and a rushing touchdown. But Jake, I think what we need to talk about with the Chiefs, and I'm going to pose this question to you before you go, do you think that this Kansas City team has any chance of making the Super Bowl? Because I'll be honest, I don't. I think that this defense is carrying way too much of the load and this inexperienced receiving core, Mahomes won't call him out. No one will call him out. Outside of Rasheed Rice, Jake, Travis Kelsey's getting up there in age. They don't have a consistent receiver. I think Tony's more of a wide receiver three. Valdez Scantling, you know him from your Packers. He's a four. And Justin Watson... Sky Moore is a complete bust. And then Justin Watson, Jake, I think is just kind of, he's there. That's really all I think. And without Isaiah Pacheco, where's your running game? What do you think about this Chiefs team? I Before I kind of go with that, I'll answer that question. I definitely think that this Kansas City Chiefs team is in trouble. So at the end of the day, though, yes. This receiving card has lost in three games, I think. So in all reality, this team should be 11 and 2, 10 and 3 at worst, not 8 and 5 and barely holding on to their division with one game ahead of the fucking Broncos of all teams. Um you said it best, Travis Kelsey is getting up there in age, still damn good at what he does. Rasheed Rice 7 for 72 and a touchdown. 
he's proving himself to be a really good number two that could blossom into a number one. I don't know on that. So number two label right now, potential number one for the future. Their run game couldn't get shit all. Uh, Clyde Edwards, yeah, that was a waste of a first-round pick. Um, 11 for 39, Jarek McKinnon, only four touches when rushing the ball for 19 and a touchdown. Yeah, but the thing is, since they still have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, I can't discount them fully, but this is the first year in Patrick Mahomes' career that I don't know if they're going to make the championship game because Mm -hmm. this could be bad for them as a whole. Because if you guys can't catch, y'all are fucked. Absolutely. But that's kind of my piece with that. But actually getting to the game, the Bills just did what they had to do. They... (laughs) just played their own style of football. They kept Mahomes off the field. They had time of possession of 35 minutes, 21 seconds versus the Chiefs of 24-39. They limited their penalties. They had 11 more total plays. Third down efficiency wasn't great at 40%, while the Chiefs had 50. They both had 21 first downs. Fourth down efficiency was one for one and zero for the Bills and zero for one for the uh, Chiefs, but they just ran the ball effectively and they controlled the clock because they know if they can limit that offense even with the mistakes they have you have a better chance of winning. So it's kind of like, okay, let's run the ball, limit time of possession for the Chiefs, and we'll go from there. The defense did what they had to do and you said it best. The Chiefs defense is keeping these guys in games. They got three sacks on Allen won for McDuffie, who he has been dialing up some really good blitzes when Spagnolo puts him on those cornerback blitzes. Because he's getting like a sack every other game now, I think, as a DB. And it's kind of like, damn, okay, he's really good in coverage. You send him on blitzes, and he's pressuring the quarterback and making him uncomfortable, which, yeah. That's good. And if your running back can't protect to save his ass, McDuffie's going to get home or at least do something to stop the passing game. So the Bills keep their playoff hopes alive and the Kansas City Chiefs have got to be sweating. And I live in Missouri, so I'm right in Chiefs kingdom. And uh, talking to a few of my coworkers and a few fans over here, yeah, they're worried. I, I would be too. I mean, you're behind by, you know, one game, or you're ahead one game of the Broncos, a team that got 70 dropped on their head. I would be terrified if I'm a Chiefs fan because remember, you split with them. So you don't have a tiebreaker. And Denver is playing the Lions, which is one of my games. We'll get to that here in a moment. But. I think, Jake, there's a very real possibility that Denver somehow wins this division. At worst, they're making the wild card. But no matter what, we're going to see Kansas City go on the road for the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era, which I'm curious to see if he can actually stand up in a in a stadium that's not Arrowhead because home field is a very real thing. 
But Jake, moving on to our last game and the shared game, this is a game that we both picked right because we thought that Philly had been holding on by a thread, and well, we were right. Dallas dominating Philadelphia, the Cowboys winning 33-13. to And Jake, what were your thoughts on this game? Because I have mine, but I want to hear yours first. <laughs> oh, dude, they stopped Jalen and this offense and it's fucking tracks. You gave up um, almost 100 to AJ and se almost 75 to Vonta. They're going to get their touches. Everybody knows that. But you stopped DeAndre to 3.5 a carry on 11 attempts to 39 yards. Jalen only rushed it five times because they had to pass. And Jalen was accurate for the most part, doing two-thirds or 6.7% completion percentage for only 195, 197 yards, though, with zero TDs and zero touchdowns. Uh, besides Hassan Reddick getting two sacks and Cox kind of killing Dak on one play, what else can you say? Um, you got steamrolled, boy. And it wasn't even pretty. It was ugly. The Cowboys did what they had to do. The people and they just proved that, hey, you barely beat us by inches last time we came. And they came in this week and said, fuck you. We're going to beat your ass. Dak played very good football, a little bit less than accurate than what you want to see, but still a, a little bit above 60%, like 61, 62%, 271, two touchdowns. He ran the ball when he needed to for but only three attempts. So, but Pollard and Rico Dwaddle, that's that fucker's name. Dowdle. Did what? Dowdle, thank you. Never even heard of him before. They did what they had to do in the ground game and got first downs. Ferguson's emerging as their tight end of the future, I think. And CD is still doing CD things. He abused that secondary for six catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown. We even saw Michael Gallup get a touchdown, which didn't have that on my bingo card. The Eagles O-line only did allow one sack from Micah Parsons, but that wasn't the Cowboys' game. It was to limit the rushing and to keep him bottled in the pocket to make him feel pressured. And Cowboys did that in literally the best way possible. And... They nearly tripled the freaking points from the Eagles. So at the end of the day, the Cowboys came in, whipped ass, and got more got 20 points more than the Eagles did. And even looking at their stats, third down efficiency, 9 for 16 for the Cowboys and 4 for 9 for the Eagles. So decent. But if you look, it's kind of like going back to that Kansas City Bills game. Because time of possession for the Cowboys was 36 minutes, 36 seconds. While the Eagles only had 23 minutes, 24 seconds. The thing that really killed the Eagles, though, three fumbles lost. I'm willing to bet hands drills and going down when you catch the ball is going to be in fucking practice until they make the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. And not to mention, Jake, I think the biggest story of this game wasn't just the fact that, I mean, you only had four people receive targets on the Eagle side as opposed to 
eight for the Dallas Cowboys. They were able to spread the ball around. Hell, Jalen Tolbert got a target, which I think is another thing, Jake. You have this value. You have this wealth of riches of guys that we really didn't think much of on Dallas's side. Now, Jake Ferguson is really establishing himself as potentially a top five tight end because he's able to get, I mean, he tied for second with targets with Tony Pollard, which lets you know that Dak is willing to target him often and early. CD having six for 71 and a touchdown off of 10 targets. Hey, you like the 60% catch percentage, but you definitely would like that to be a little bit higher, but he torched the defense. Overall though, Jake, I think the biggest story of this game was Brandon Aubrey, rookie kicker connecting four for four on field goals, including a 60-yarder, a 59-yarder, and a 50-yarder. And he hit all three of his extra points. He alone scored more than this Eagles team. And I think that's a massive weapon that you now have for Dallas because as much as Mike McCarthy has shown that he can pretty much script a pretty good offense, his late game like decision-making, it's so bad because you he doesn't know whether to go for it on fourth down, punt. Now you have a kicker that you know has virtually infinite range. He can bang one from 60, and it looked like it had been good from 63. He is going to be able to just trot out his kicker in situations where he he takes the decision-making out of it. We have a kicker that can just bang kicks from long distance. We're, we have three points in the bag, and you're going to need that in the playoffs because you're going to be having very thin margins, and you're going to need to be able to get points whenever you can, especially, especially if you face the 49ers because you're going to be needing to get points on probably every single possession. Now, Jake, I think the bigger story for the Eagles is Jalen Hurts. He did leave this game with a concussion issue. He did come back in the game, but I would be a little worried if I am Philly because we've seen Jalen get banged up a lot. We saw him get banged up last year, and he missed games. You lost to Dallas in one of those games. I think it would be a very, very big thing to keep an eye on if Jalen has to miss time because he's also fighting through a knee issue, which we've seen has limited some of his rushing capabilities. I think overall, though, Jake, looking at Dallas, they have to get this number one seed. Now, they're going to have to have the Niners stumble because Dallas is 7-0 now at home, and they're still averaging like 38 points a game, I think, Jake, at home. If they can get home field and you can get any team in Jerry World, that is much bigger than if you have to go on the road. Where Jake, they are three and three on the road. They are a completely different team. But Jake, moving away from that, we're going to move on to the Thursday night football game that happened two days ago. And we've been waiting on this one. Jake, imagine having... Imagine going up against a team that lost a game three to nothing and they go home, you come to their place and they drop 63 points on you and you only score 
21 and you were down 63 to 7 at one point. They could have potentially gotten the record, Jake. I think they could have gotten the record had they not taken their foot off the gas. But Las Vegas Raiders, LA Chargers, the Raiders beat the Chargers 63 to 21. Now, Jake, we're going to talk mainly about the fact that this loss was finally the last straw. Brandon Staley is gone. And fucking good riddance. I I don't know why it took this long, Jake. I wouldn't have let him on the plane last year. You lose a 27-0 lead. You get four picks on defense, and you lose. Now, I think, Jake, Aiden O'Connell, he's not the future of this team. But damn, 20-34, 248 and four touchdowns now he was hitting passes very very well but he wasn't really he wasn't necessarily a he wasn't necessarily a big play guy it was more you found nice plays now Trey Tucker those passes were wide open he had three catches for 59 yards but two touchdowns Devontae he might want to stick around now, but I wouldn't if I'm him. 12 targets, 8 catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. And Michael Mayer, he also had a touchdown off of 4 catches and 39 yards. And Jake, Jacoby Myers, we're seeing that with this offense, they're willing to open things up now. He had 2 catches for 32 yards and a touchdown, but he also had 2 throws for 12 yards and a touchdown. He threw the touchdown to Devontae. And Jake, also this defense, you held the Vikings last week to three points. And then you come home and you get two defensive touchdowns. One, a 44-yard run back by John Jenkins, who, by the way, is 6'3", 323 pounds, big man rumbling, and then Jack Jones, who, when we last talked about him, Jake, he was dealing with gun issues. He intercepts a screen pass that was just a beautiful one-handed interception, and he runs it back for a touchdown. It was 63-7, to Jake. I cannot stress that enough that the Chargers were outclassed in every single manner. They, 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 looked, they looked like they quit. They straight up looked like they quit. And Daniel Carlson, Jake, he had nine extra points. How many times are you going to get that in a game? Now on the Chargers side, Jake, <laughs> real quick before I fin before I let you go, uh, what happened to Austin Eckler? It seemed like they, I know it was a blowout, but they just decided that, nah, you're going to stay on the bench. Five catches or five carries for nine yards. And then he also had four catches for 29 yards. You gave the ball to Isaiah Spiller more. You gave the ball to Isaiah Spiller 16 times, Jake. You didn't even give Eckler a chance at the beginning of the game, let alone early on. I understand you don't want to get him hurt because you're probably going to want to try and trade him or just cut him. But, Jake, I, I don't know what else to say other than goodbye, Brandon Staley. You will not be missed and you will never get another head coaching job. Oh no, he's going to be a defensive coordinator at best in the 
in the far future. Probably going to be an assistant for a number of years before he even gets a DC opportunity, in my opinion. But um, you also forgot Tom Telesco got fired too, which was their GM. And um, we'll get to that as soon as we're done with this game. This game was a shit show. And East and Sick, their backup, didn't even play that bad. Almost 75% completion percentage, 257, three touchdowns, and an interception. It was the fumbles that fucking killed them. Because if you actually look at the fumbles lost, four. And even the penalties, six for 65 versus four for 30 for the Raiders. It's kind of like, what the hell? Their time of possession was damn near the same. Same uh, total plays as well. It's kind of like, huh, okay. And one thing I find interesting, not a single field goal was kicked in this fucking game. Just extra points. Uh, Can we just say the Raiders just took the Chargers out back and old yellowed them? Because essentially, uh, they showed that they are not to be fucked with. And I'm loving it. And Antonio Pierce, their interim head coach. If they make the same mistake of not sticking with their interim head coach and going with a quote-unquote hot hire, they're fucking idiots. They learned, should have learned, from the head coach that got fired earlier in the year. Hopefully, they give Antonio Pierce at least a one-year prove-it deal to see if he can actually run it back. Because he's got this Raiders team playing hard. They don't have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball outside of Devontae. And uh, besides that, Josh Jacobs, but he's regressed. Michael Mayer is looking pretty good, but he's a rookie. And let's see what happens after that. Get a quarterback in here, whether you sign one that's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Or you draft one. Develop the kid or... Oh, probably. And, hey, maybe trade Devontae or Josh Jacobs and get a high second round or a low first round pick. And, okay, there you go. Off to the races. Trade up and get your quarterback of the future. But, goddamn. This game was just like... I think I stopped watching it after halftime because I saw 42 zip. I'm thinking, like, all right, this is a blowout. I'm done. Come so, back, and my folks are watching it, and it's 63-7. I'm thinking, like, what the fuck? So, Sorry, so Jake. Oh, you're, you're good. All I was going to say is if you looked at the stats of this game, if you looked at the team stats, you would think this was a nail-biter. 378 yards of total offense for the Raiders – 326 for the Chargers. Six yards per play for the Raiders. 5.2 for the Chargers. Both of them were solid on third down, but you have to remember, the Chargers were 0 for 5 on third down in the first half. They ended up finishing 6 for 7 and throughout to finish 6 for 12. And you look at everything else, Jake, you think this was pretty damn even, and then you look at five turnovers. Four fumbles, and you threw a pick. Even time of possession, Jake, was the difference was 18 seconds. And yet, 
63 points to 21. And it shouldn't have even been 21. It probably should have just been seven. But, Jake, I think what if it were me, if I'm the Chargers, I'd be trying to get Jim Harbaugh. I would try and get Jim Harbaugh in the building, and I wouldn't let him leave. Because you need a guy who works well with quarterbacks, which we've seen he works really well. He worked well with Andrew Luck. He worked well with Kaepernick. He worked solid with Alex Smith. And he's got J.J. McCarthy. He got people thinking J.J. McCarthy, Jake, should be a first-round pick. I don't see much with him, but he sure as hell got people thinking it. And not to mention, Jake, I think that if you're the Las Vegas Raiders, now you actually you absolutely have to sign Antonio Pierce. Just because of the fact that you see how the locker room reacts to him. You see that they're willing to play for him. Again, Jake, they didn't score a single point last week. And then they come home and get 63. Not to mention is not to mention this is the most points ever scored by a Raiders team and this is also to me this is just mind-boggling Jake. I look at this Raiders team did you know, Jake, that the Raiders, in their last four games, they scored 46 points. In their last four games, they scored 46 points, and they just scored 63. I'm going to say this right now. If Antonio Pierce doesn't get a job, Mark Davis just has a thing against interim coaches. Because, dear God... There is no way that he should not get this job now. But Jake, with the Chargers, do you think that they will hire Jim Harbaugh? Or do you think they'll go after like Ben Johnson, someone like that? What do you think? I think Ben Johnson is a very likely hire because I don't know if Michigan's going to let Harbaugh go. Because, and I don't know if Harbaugh wants to leave Michigan because it sounds like Michigan's getting ready to give him a big-ass contract. And with how good he's been in the college ranks, I don't know if he'd want to leave. Because I wouldn't blame him either way if he stayed there or went to the NFL. But Ben Johnson would be a likely hire. You could see Harbaugh as well because you need an offensive head coach here. You don't need a defensive head coach anymore. You need an offensive head coach so you can take care of your young quarterback who you just paid a shit ton of money to. Try to get Mike Williams healthy again. You drafted Quentin Johnson. He had some. Fl- he has flashes, but we need to see more. And Keenan Allen's playing like a, a top five receiver this year. So I want to see what this team can do with an actual offensive coach and go from there. At the end of the day, Justin Herbert's a damn good quarterback. We need somebody to help him even further. Before I forget, there are rumors that Bill Belichick is a potential hire for this job as well. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that if Bill Belichick is just the coach, fantastic. If you give him personnel power, uh, it's going to be an absolute nightmare and I would be terrified. Because, don't get me wrong. I like Bill Belichick as a coach, but have we seen the receivers that he has drafted, Jake? I don't even know what team Nikhil Harry is on. And I don't even remember the other receiver. Yeah, and I don't even remember the other receiver that he has that he drafted in the first round. 
He's he doesn't even come to my mind. I think that overall, Jake Harbaugh should be the number one candidate because I think that if the NCAA does come down on him, then he's absolutely going to leave because he's not going to put up with the NCAA and their toothless conniving asses and how bullshit they are with, you know, they want to take away, they took away a USC championship. They stripped him of a championship. I don't know if they'll do that, but if they do, yeah, he's gone. But Jake, moving on to our predictions and our eyes on five for week 15. Jesus, it sounds so weird saying week 15. But Jake, we're going to start off with your first game. What do you got? So my first game is pretty interesting because I am going with the Giants and the Saints. Now, a lot of people are going to see this game and be like, why the fuck are you picking this game of all teams? You have New Orleans struggling to even stay afloat in the crappiest division in the damn NFL. And you got a five and eight Giants team that's that we both thought that was going to suck ass and go for Caleb or Drake May. But I'm riding the hot hand here and I'm loving the Tommy DeVito storyline, man. I love that his agent literally looks like a mafioso and he's ready to put a hit out on any GM or coach that talks badly about his client or doesn't give him a contract. I think that DeVito is playing good ball, not excellent ball, but he's playing pretty good ball for a 25 year old rookie. And you know, the Giants look better under him than the guy he just paid $40 million to, which is very sad to say because they're like, damn, you got a guy that nobody knew who the fuck he was except for extreme draft at analysts, and he's not doing the guy you played. You just paid a shit ton of money to. So I want to see what he does against a Saints defense that is looking to rebound from sucking these last couple weeks. And Barkley, I really think he could get it going as well. And shit, the Giants defense has actually been playing decent these last three or four weeks as well. So the Giants actually have some to, something to play for because they're exciting again. On the Saints side, um, can Derek Carr just sit, man? He has been injured to fucking hell and back this year. He needs to just sit for his own health. Yeah, you're playing for a playoff spot, but you're going to get fucking bounced as soon as you get in there, even if, even if you do. So it's like, okay, sit the guy you paid a shit ton of money to, start, your, start a backup, and maybe Carr can come back healthy next year and actually play decent ball. But who the fuck knows? You need to get rid of your... OC anyway, Carmichael is not the answer for the Saints. Dennis Allen, I don't want to say he's on the hot seat, but I mean, would it shock you, Adam, if he did get ousted and you got an offensive head coach or a new guy in the building? Oh, I think he's going to get canned. Because the only reason uh, why he ever got the job, Jake, was because he got endorsed by Sean Payton. I, I don't think and he's, he's been there a long job. time. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to hold on to this job, though. Now, Jake, and the thing that I think is, oh, go. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. 
their GM, I think he's safe. He's been with the organization for, I want to say, close to 20 years, if not a little above 20 years. And he's... Can we just say he's like a cap wizard? Because we see year in, year out, the Saints are always over the cap, but their GM always does something to get below it and still sign talent. Whether the talent is good or not at the end of the day, eh, that's to be seen talking about Derek Carr here. But shit, you can't ignore, dude. His draft's pretty good. Um, Going from that, I think either team could win, but I want to see the DeVito train right even more. I, I would love to see that too, especially because of the fact that I really, really like Tommy DeVito. I think what we've seen, Jake, is that Brian Dable, he's also going to get coach of the year. You know, he's going to get coach of the year votes as well. I think, Jake, there's going to be a lot of candidates for coach of the year because we've seen a lot of offensive coaches do a lot with backup quarterbacks. I mean, you look at Joe Burrow, he's hurt. Jake Browning's looked good. You look at you know, Daniel Jones is hurt. I think he would have potentially gotten benched after a while. Tommy DeVito, he's a thing. He He's a real thing. I mean, who else you got? You just got so many... Like Jordan Love has looked rough, but Jake, he's got 23 touchdowns to 11 picks. He's going to have... If Matt LaFleur may be getting a vote. There's going to be a lot of tight races here with a lot of head coaching candidates up for coach of the year. But pertaining to this game, Jake, I would look for the Giants to hopefully lean on Saquon Barkley because he's had a pretty solid year overall. Now, he's only got three rushing touchdowns, but 783 yards rushing, you'll take that. Now, in order for this team to really have a chance is you're going to have to Target Saquon, I think, in the past game a little bit. We've seen that he's been very, very effective. Now, I think also we're going to see a lot more of Wandale Robinson. We saw last week that he really had a role in this offense, sort of like a gadget guy, sort of your what I think the Chiefs wanted Kadarius Tony to be. But I think if the Saints are wanting to win, Chris Olave is going to have to have a big game. This giant secondary isn't great, and I think that you could absolutely take advantage of it. I would look for Derek Carr. He's going to get hurt, I think, potentially. I don't wish for injuries, but I think with how injury-prone he's become, I think we're going to see Jameis in this game at some point. And I think that Jameis is a better option for Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, those receivers, because he's at least able to... He has no fear. He's willing to chuck it deep. There's a reason why he had 30 touchdowns, but also 30 interceptions. He's willing to take chances. And I think in order for the Saints to win this game, you're going to have to take chances. Now, New Orleans is favored by five and a half. I'm going to take the, I would take the Giants in that. I would take the Giants in the points. But overall, Jake, this game, the over-under is 39 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if this game actually ended up being pretty damn... I wouldn't be surprised if we see a potential 23-20 game. But moving on to my first game, which is actually in about three and a half hours, Jake, 
I'm going with the Broncos facing the Lions in Detroit. And the reason why I'm picking this game, Jake, is the Lions are reeling. They have lost some pretty pivotal games. They lost awful to the Packers. And then last week, Jake, if I remember right, they lost again. They ended up losing to the... Or did they? Who did they lose to? Oh, the Bears. You lose to the Bears, who are most likely going to move off of Justin Fields. And it wasn't close. Now, Jameer Gibbs, Jake, I think he's going to have to have a pretty big role in this game because you're going to want to be able to get the ball into the hands of your playmakers. And Jameer Gibbs, he has finally been getting used properly. Now, I think that what you're going to need to do is get back to running the football and then getting into the play action, which is where Jared Goff is comfortable because then you can get Amra St. Brown wide open. You can get Sam Laporta involved because they played awful last week. I think that the Lions defense, Jake, can still be a massive Achilles heel. I think that's why they're going to probably lose early on in the playoffs potentially. But I think that this Broncos team, Jake, they are on a heater. This is not the same team that was one in five. They have won six of their last seven. And you look at the Houston game that they lost, Jake, you could argue that they should have won that game too, that they could be on a seven game win streak or yeah, seven game win streak. But I think what we've seen with the Broncos is a willingness to run the ball sort of have Russ be a complimentary player rather than a playmaker, like just the entire offense, which we saw a lot in Seattle. We've seen that they've leaned on Javante Williams and Jaleel McLaughlin a lot more. And then you have Russ making his big plays to Cortland Sutton, maybe to Jerry Judy. I think Jake, that overall this game, Detroit's favored by five, which I think is way too many points. Now, you always argue that teams coming off an embarrassing loss will play better, but I don't know with this Lions team, Jake. I feel like this Lions team, if they come back and they beat the Broncos, then that helps them massively. They have That puts them basically as the divisional crown winners. But, Jake, do you trust this Lions team against a very feisty Broncos defense and just Broncos team overall? Uh, yes and no. It depends if they're wanting to pass the ball or run the ball more. Because either aspect, the Broncos D has been playing like a top 10 unit ever since they got the 70 dropped on their ass by the Dolphins. And Vance Joseph, can we talk about this for a second? We were talking about him maybe getting ousted middle of the season because of the 70 point game. He has done a complete 180 on this defense, man. They have gone from one of the worst units to a top 10 unit. You don't see that shit very often. He's taking out and putting, he's taking out players that he doesn't think can play. Usually it's the older players right now. And he's getting all these younger guys, like you said, with McLaughlin. Well, no, it's more head coach, but still. Young guys on this Broncos team are getting chances, whether it be on offense or defense, and it's paying off on both sides of the ball because 
you have Benito, Browning, and I think there's a guy in the secondary for the Broncos that are getting chances, and they're all playing good. And it's kind of like, damn, why didn't we do this at the beginning of the season? Hell, if they did the beginning, they might be 8-5 and five or 9-4 and four and over the Chiefs or tied with the Chiefs for score, for record. And on the Lions, yeah, what the fuck happened, dude? First half of the season, they look phenomenal, like one of the powerhouses of the NFL. Now it's like you're reeling and showing the Lions of old. You can't do that, dude. They need to figure out what they're doing, what their offensive identity is, whether if they're going to be a passing team, a running team, or a balanced team. Because right now, I don't know what the fuck they are. Defense, if, God. Their defense still needs to get figured out. We've been talking about Aaron Glenn needing to epitomize his type of style and push it on Jerry Jacobs and the rest of that secondary. I don't know what's going on with this, but... I, if the Broncos win this, it wouldn't shock me one fucking bit. Now, I will say this, Jake. One big injury on that Broncos defense. Nick Benito will not be playing in this game. So that is going to be a pretty pivotal loss to me. I don't think it'll cost the Broncos, though. Like I said, I would probably be leaning Broncos over the Lions because this is not the same team that we have seen. Also, Jake. Taylor Decker is questionable. Same with Frank Ragnow. I think that there's a chance that they'll probably play, but with how many injuries Frank Ragnow is dealing with, a knee, a back, and a toe, I don't know. He might have to take an injection before he plays, and then we'll have to wait and see because when you have that many injuries, Jake, I don't know if I'd want to go out there. But moving on to your second game, what do you got? So my second game is going to be a divisional game that I think, depending on if their nuclear option doesn't play, eh, we could see an upset here because I have the Jets versus the Dolphins. The big story about this game is Zach Wilson coming back off the bench, doing great last week, over 300 yards passing, and looked like why he was picked second overall. If he can continue that against this Dolphins defense, you could see something. But if Tyreek Hill is out of this game, um, <laughs> I don't like the Dolphins' odds, and I'm assuming they are the betting odds to win this game by probably close to a touchdown or at least five points. Eight and a half. Because, yeah, so barely over a touchdown. And because of that, the Jets are playing underdog here. And I could see the Jets sneaking out a win here, even if Tariq plays, because Tariq Hill's not going to be on his full... is not going to be 100%, because he's dealing with a leg injury. And if you have your nuclear option deterred to, like, a... 70. Yeah, 70%. I don't know, man, because... the. The Jets, on one side of the ball, their defense is still playing lights fucking out. They're still playing like a top 10 unit. It's always been the offense this year that's been struggling. But if Zach Wilson can put another game up like he did last week, shit, anything's possible. What do you think? Well, I think you're absolutely right. If J Zach Wilson can put together a performance like he had last week, then 
I think the Jets definitely have the Dolphins on upset alert. Now, the Dolphins need this game, Jake, to be able to try and keep themselves in the picture for that number one seed because in December, January, you're not really wanting to fly to hot, humid, muggy Miami because we've seen teams go down there and Miami flu is a real thing. You got to be very, very careful, especially because of uh, other things down there, not just uh, the heat. But I think overall, Jake, if Tyreek Hill is hurt and limited to 70%, that's going to be a massive loss for this team, mainly because you are going to have to then rely more on Jalen Waddle, who hasn't been as explosive as we would have expected this season. He's played very, very well, but at the same time, he's not necessarily been what he was last year. Now, I think, Jake, we need to see Raheem Mostert step up a little bit more. He's got 16 rushing touchdowns, which is by far leading the league. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see them lean a little bit more on Devon Chen, which I think they absolutely need to because you don't want Raheem Mostert taking so many carries because you want to be able to then have this two-headed monster like you had earlier in the year. This team looks a little bit far away from what they looked like last, I mean, I don't know, back in September, October, when they dropped 70 on the Broncos. They look like a far cry from that. They're still playing well, but nowhere near that. Now, Jake, notable injuries for this. Devon HN is questionable. Now, Tyreek Hill, he did not participate in practice. He is listed as questionable as well. Now, Robert Hunt, one of their guards, is out. Xavier Howard's questionable. Javon Holland's questionable. You have a lot of significant people questionable, but I think they will probably play. At least half of them will play, but I think that this is absolutely a game that could be upset alert. I don't know if it'll be an upset, but overall, Jake, we need Tyree Kill to play really, really well if we want to pick the Dolphins. Like I said, Dolphins are favored by eight and a half. I don't know if I'd take the eight and a half right now. I would probably just stay away from this game overall because even with the Dolphins being five and one at home overall this year, I'd still be really, really iffy against a Jets team that at least plays divisional opponents pretty damn tough. Now, Jake, moving on to my second game, I am going to be taking the 49ers and the Cardinals, and the, this also could be a game, I'm not saying it's going to be an upset, but the Cardinals have looked a lot chippier with Kyler Murray than we thought they would. Now, I believe you said they have the third pick, Jake, and the 17th right now, because they yes. also have Houston's pick. Now, last week they were on bot. I think that that's definitely going to be something that helps them because the Niners, you did play the Seahawks, but you did have to play at least kind of a tough game because at one point, Jake, it was 21 to 16 before Seattle's offense kind of just stalled. Now I would look for Christian McCaffrey to get a lot of touches like he got last week because you're going to want to lean on him. And Brock Purdy, 
this secondary absolutely can be had and he is still firmly in the MVP conversation. I think that he, if he throws another three touchdowns and Christian McCaffrey has, you know, a hundred yards on the ground and maybe a touchdown, I think that they could probably smooth sail to a comfortable win. They're favored by 12 and Jake, the over under is 48 and a half. I would look, that's looking at what a 36 to. Oh no, that's, that's looking like a pretty about 30, 18. Yeah. 38. Yeah. 30 to 18. Thank you. Sick brain. But I think Jake, it'll be a little bit closer than that. I, I don't know if I'd take the Cardinals in the points, but I would at least be inclined to sniff the game because the Niners, they have, they haven't really stumbled outside of Debo and Trent Williams being hurt. I think they're playing, they're going to be fine in this game. But if you're the Cardinals, do you really want to win this game? Because I wouldn't. I would be wanting to lose this game because I would want to keep my high pick because I would want to maybe see if I could get another quarterback. I believe me when I say I think that I like Kyler Murray and how he is played, but he does cost a lot of money. And the defensive coach here and the GM, they did not draft Kyler Murray. And there would Mm -hmm. be a market. Now, notable injuries for the Niners, Jake. Eric Armstead is out. You also have uh, Elijah Mitchell is also out. And Trent Williams did not participate in practice. I think he'll still probably play. But that is at least something to keep an eye on. And then Charverius Ward, your best corner, he is questionable. Again, I think he'll probably play. But it is a groin injury, and those are fickle. Now... Ah, I don't know on this one, Jake. I think it could be upset alert, but I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I wouldn't say upset alert because the 49ers would have to ma- majorly play down the competition, and Kyler Murray would have to play probably the best game of his career against one of the best teams he's ever faced, even if it is a divisional game. I think the Cardinals are going to fight hard but they don't have anywhere near the talent to take on this juggernaut and it's kind of like you'll put up a good fight kid but you're gonna get your ass knocked out so they're gonna throw punches but i don't think many are gonna land at the end of the day because the niners are gonna destroy that offensive line for the cardinals And they're going to destroy their defense as well because they really don't have anybody that can cover Ayuk, Kittle, or uh, really anybody on their offense because Cardinals aren't, they're okay at stopping the run, but you're going against a dominant O line and a top three back in the league. You don't have linebackers to cover the freaking running back or their star tight end. The only option you have is if Buda Baker can cover Kittle 
and Jalen Thompson, you're literally going to be relying on your safeties to stop Kittle and fucking Christian McCaffrey because your linebackers aren't going to do anything here at the end of the day because I don't feel good about any of this because your White's really good, but I don't know if I trust him against this style of freaking the offense that he's going against. I think that 49ers are going to beat him by 10 points, if not more, but I... It's probably going to be a murder fest. I mean, I can't really argue it, but we'll have to wait for our picks. Now, Jake, moving on to our shared game, we got Cowboys, Bills, and Jake. This is a game that is pivotal for both sides. I'm going to let you go first on this. What are you going to be keeping an eye on for this game? I'm going to be looking at, can the Dallas offense continue their reign and can Dak continue his bid for pretty much leading the MVP race right now against a Bills defense that it it can be really good, but they're injured to fuck. And I don't see the Bills doing much in this on the defense side of the ball. It's going to be literally the battle of the quarterbacks. This could be a shootout, but Dallas at least has a defense to rely on. Parsons is going to be getting out. After um, Josh Allen quite a bit. And DeMarcus Lawrence is going to stop their run game. Mozzie Smith is going to stop them. So I don't know if James Cook is going to be able to do much. And you're going against one of the feistiest secondaries in the league with the Cowboys. And we all know that Deron Bland is having a fantastic year. All pro. You still have Stephon Gilmore who's playing pretty good ball as well. He shut down A.J. Brown after he called him an old ass. And Allen is throwing picks like crazy, and he's been fumbling. He's leading the league in turnovers right now, I think, with 15. 11 picks, 4 fumbles, if I remember right. And, you're again, Bland's probably going to come off with a pick or two in this game, and Gilmore might get a pick as well. So, it's kind of like monkey see, monkey do, because... Allen is going to throw a pick almost guaranteed and Dak has not been throwing picks at all. So it's kind of like you got a really good offense and a really good defense on the Cowboys versus a pretty good offense and a potentially good defense on the bills. Unless the Cowboys played out in a competition, they should win this. I absolutely agree. And I disagree all at the same time. The Cowboys, if they play their best, it is better than the Bills' best. I definitely think that. However, the Cowboys have not been the same team on the road that they have been at home. The Bills are 5-2 at home, and all three of Dallas's losses have come on the road. I would look for that to definitely play a role. And again, Jake, I think this Joe Brady offense that Josh Allen is now running is a lot different than what we saw with Ken Dorsey. They've... Now, I think that Stefan Diggs with only four catches last week off of 11 targets. Yikes. I think we'll see more than that because of the fact that we're going to have to see more than that because, Jake, Deron Bland can still be toasted. We can't just forget what we saw with DK Metcalf. I think that what we're going to see, though, is a lot more James Cook because I think the Cowboys can be had running back versus linebackers. I don't really trust any of their linebackers in space. Even Micah Parsons, who is 
faster than probably anyone on the Bills team. I think that if you're able to get him in space with a shifty back like James Cook, that could play a role because what else do you have to lose? You are fighting for the playoffs and you're going to have to use all of your weapons against this team. Now, Jake, the Bills are favored by two points. I actually would take the Bills in this situation with the points because they're going to be the more desperate team. They're going to be playing with a lot more urgency. And I think Dallas, Jake, also coming off a pretty emotional game against Philly, they definitely could slip, especially, like I said, all three of their losses have come on the road. Now, Jake, real quick, before I get your picks, some notable playoff clinching scenarios Baltimore has a chance to clinch a playoff berth with a win a Denver loss and a Buffalo loss or a few others like that if Dallas wins they clinch the playoffs or if the Rams and Seahawks lose they also clinch the playoffs the Lions clinch a playoff berth if they win Seattle loses and Green Bay loses or some more like that Philly clinches a playoff berth if they win or Sam Fran, they clinched the division title, the NFC West, if they win or if the Rams lose. So that, I think, is the most notable one because if the Rams lose or the Niners win, they basically are on the fast track to that number one seed. Now, Jake, I want to get your picks for our five games. Who you got? So for our games right now... I have the Cowboys beating the Bills. I have the San Francisco 49ers beating the Cardinals. I'm going to take the upset and say the Jets beat the Dolphins. I also have the... I'm going to say the Broncos beat the Lions and the Giants beat the Saints. All right. Giants, Jets, Broncos, Niners, Cowboys. I am also going to take the Giants over the Saints. I think that Derek Carr is honestly not that great. And I'm I'm gonna ride the Tommy DeVito hype train because I think that as well it's a coach it's a coaching mismatch between Brian Dable and Dennis Allen. I think we're gonna see that on full display. I will take the Dolphins over the Jets. I think that the Dolphins are just a better team overall and I like Mike McDaniel as a coach over Robert Sala and I don't trust that Zach Wilson can put together a game like he had last week twice in a row. Give me the Dolphins at home. Now, I will take the Broncos over the Lions. I think the Lions are still reeling and I just don't trust them as much as I trust the Broncos right now. Give me Denver. I'm going to take the Niners over the Cardinals just because I think that the Niners are just a better team and their bad day is just better than the Cardinals' best day. And I'm going to take the Bills over the Cowboys because I think that more urgency, I think that Josh Allen is playing a lot better with Joe Brady. And I just don't know if I trust this Dallas defense against a quarterback like Josh Allen who will probably challenge them deep. I think Stefan Diggs, Jake, look for him to have a potential big game. But Jake, before we wrap things up, our closing thoughts, you and I are facing each other again in fantasy this week, and I don't have my phone next to me right now, but I think it's pretty damn close, and it's going to come down to Tyreek playing for you if you want to have a chance to beat me, I think. Yeah, exactly. 
And if not, my only other options to put in is uh, Tyler Lockett and Chris Olave, but he's looking to be questionable with concussion protocol right now. So, yeah, if Tyreek's out, I might be fucked. Just a little bit, but I have to lean on Puka Nakua because I'm leaning Puka over Mike Evans because I don't know what it is with Mike Evans. I'm having the same problem that a buddy of ours, Colton, had where I start him, he gives me one point. I bench him, he goes for 30. I don't know if I'm going to start him this week against the Panthers, but I'm considering it. But, or excuse me, the Packers, he's facing the Packers. I don't know. But, Jake, that is going to wrap things up for this episode of Run Past the Brain Cell. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for Jake Miller, I'm Adam Skirko. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take it easy.